It's episode 1017, and this is the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Joining me from Loverland, Virginia, is Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, and mogul, Derek Miner. What's happening? And uh, Tardy, joining us late today, downtown Emily Brown. She's, she's racing to get a new mic, so she'll join oh, us okay. by the buzz. But I figure, I was like, the show must go on, Emily. We're going, we're going full steam ahead, uh, but she'll join us here in a minute. Uh, a little bit of updates. A couple updates there, uh, Jesse and Derek. Uh, there's a hurricane outside my house right now. Again? Like, literally, there's a hurricane Again? hitting Orlando as we speak. Literally, Again? I can open my window. Florida. The last hurricane, Cameron, you said hurricanes never come to Orlando. Never come to Orlando. Yeah, they always die off by the time they hit the land. And that is true. It hit the coast as a hurricane, and it's not a hurricane anymore right now. It's a tropical storm. It died down, but uh, it's hitting my house as we speak. So if I go away, send help. I wasn't even, like, I feel like last time the whole country was like, man, Florida's about to get by a hurricane. We have so much going on right now that people are like, this is, we can't even, we can't get this out. And it's a nothing hurricane. This is a hurricane where, like, locals are like, whatever. The country can only handle so much big news at one time. We got midterms going on. We've, you know, we got the Avatar trailer just dropped. We can only handle so much right now, people. Okay, Black we Panther cannot coming over- out this weekend. Yeah, we we, right. we we can't overwhelm the system here. Okay, we yeah. got football and basketball happening at the same time. There's a lot, lot cooking. We can't worry about weather right now. Florida could get leveled or go into the ocean, and the rest of y'all would be fine and just keep moving on like nothing happened. We know. Nah, y'all got Disney World, bro. Nah, you, you can't. You, Florida can't. We can't lose Disney World, bro. The, well, the other the other thing, I, I I have some family, Cameron. You know, you, you guys know this in 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 Orlando. <laughs> And my wife yeah, was was texting uh, her her sister and my mother in law about this hurricane, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it was going to affect some potential travel and holiday things coming up, and you know, you know how it is. Anyway, my wife was telling me she had, and, and this hurricane's name is Nicole, um, mm-hmm. and my wife, you know, responded to the thread, "Ugh, Nicole, so annoying." And my mother-in-law thought it. she was, she was like, I think this was the wrong threat. I think you were talking about your friend, Nicole, like as if, you know, there's some other text thread where Dana's just burning this girl, Nicole down when it's actually just the, the name of the hurricane. Usually though, I'd like hurricanes have like an exotic twist to the name. So you know, it's a hurricane because I feel mm-hmm. like this is a big problem. Nicole is too common of a name. Mm-hmm. It's like if you had right. a hurricane named Matt and you're like, Hey, Matt's yeah. coming. Hurricane. Hurricane Bob. Like, yeah, what? and it's like, oh, yeah. Bob's Matt's, Matt's coming over? No, no, no. It's, Nicole, they should have common names off the table because this kind of confusion is probably happening all over the country right now. Yeah. The the way locals, you know, know if it's a real storm or not is if Disney closes because Disney never closes. Like, I've literally been mm. at Disney on days when hurricanes hit because it's the perfect day to go. It's nice and cool. Nobody's there. There's no lines, you know that. So the severity of the storm is, is Disney open or not? Disney is closed today. So maybe I should take it a little bit more seriously than I am. But, uh, 
well, for now, we're just don't podcasting. Worry. The rest we're of the country isn't not only is it not taking it seriously, the, the, the rest of the country is doesn't even know this is happening. Like they exactly. it's just the, the news. <laughs> like I said, they're like we're at capacity, guys. It doesn't matter yeah. what happens here. We're not reporting anything. We, we cannot. Derek, you got out just in time. You, you got out just in time, you know, came down oh, for yeah. the game and then got right out of here right before Nicole showed up. Good time. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't going to come. If, if there was a threat of a hurricane, I wasn't coming down there, bro. So it wasn't even going to, I'm not going to get trapped like that, bro. For real. So I, I do have a question about, mm, I, yeah. I, um, I, my, I intended to watch the Golden State Magic game that you guys attended. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I was, I was once again at the little league field, which for a brief time had taken over <laughs> getting, my life, getting, getting pounded by the, getting yeah, bullied. the eighth yeah. graders <laughs> and, uh, it, it, for, try fourth graders. Okay. Um, they're even more savage. Um, their moral compass has not developed yet. Okay? <laughs> they, 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 these children have no feelings. Um, you know, it's an age of, you know, about half of fourth graders are basically sociopaths at this point. That moral, those, oh, wow. those social filters for a lot of, for a lot of fourth graders, not all of them, for a lot of them don't kick into about sixth, seventh grade. Okay. They're just, they're just savages, but either way, mm-hmm. I missed the game, but I kept looking at the score and I saw it was mm-hmm. very tight and the magic ended up pulling out a victory against the golden state warriors. And mm-hmm. one point, th- this was yeah. I saw it was very close game, and in my and and the Magic have had a lot of injury problems. Uh, they're they're nobody's young playing to- for nobody's playing for the Magic that was that got contracts. It's all like janitors and trainers and high school kids. It's like high school kids. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. or, or Orlando's out there basically saying, we're going to try to get one more lottery pick out of this. Okay. Like, <laughs> it, it, the, the, there's this, this is great Australia. He's the, where, where's that kid from Australia? That, France. That's, France, France this year. You know, every, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I, we can see what they're doing. That's fine. 3D chess. Yeah. I get it. And then Golden State comes in and they got to win. Their window is closing. They got to win now. They have, right. they still have a bunch of superstars, but they got to win. They're at full strength. They're full strength. They have no injuries. That game, Steph had 39 points. Like, nobody played bad. And and Orlando won. And so I couldn't help but theorize, you know, Mm -hmm. as I was getting bullied by fourth graders, uh, um, (laughs) what bullying was happening courtside of the Magic game to cause Golden State not to be able to pull this out? Derek, I I feel like Cameron's going to give me a biased uh, take here. What what psychological mind game was he playing during this game that caused Nothing. this collapse? I'm not even gonna lie, Cameron was really tame. You know, but here's why. Here's why. Oh, why? Here's is why. That? Steph Curry is the one player that I don't want to mess with because he told me, like he there was a game in twenty. We have beat the Warriors five years in a row in Orlando. Okay, I don't know why. It's this weird glitch. In 2017, the last time they won. We were up. We were bad, okay? We were terrible. One of the worst teams in the league. We were up against the defending champs in the dynasty era, okay? It was like late in the third quarter. Steph had like 11 points. We were up 18. I mean, and and so I'm heckling self-deprecating humor at the Warriors. Y'all are about to lose to the Orlando Magic. How embarrassing for you. Stuff like that, right? And all of a sudden, you could just see Steph goes, and he's like, we're going to win now. And he ended up with 50 points. We lost by 11. It's, it was the most beautiful basketball I'd ever seen in my life. And it shut me up. I met him the next year. Yeah. And I said, hey, 
remember last year there was this, you know, you da, 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 this happened. He goes, yeah, I remember. And uh, I go, yeah, man, that was just an, an unbelievable thing. He goes, I remember that game. I remember you. He goes, that was you? And he looked me dead in the eye and he goes, you single-handedly caused your team to lose. Because he was so annoyed with me, he wanted to shut me up. Jesse, listen, bro. This dude was so distraught and traumatized from that last experience. He's like, all right, here he goes. All right, Steph's about to cut it on. Oh, my gosh. He had 39 points. He had 39 points. I was like, I don't want to mess with him. This dude was terrified, Jesse. I was. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's like there's been all these political, you know, uh, uh, pontificators who've, you know, kind of, uh, retrospectively looked back at the last like eight years in America. And they have pointed to a moment at the White House Correspondents' Dinner where President Obama was president and yep. kind of teased, yep. you know, <laughs> Donald Trump was in attendance and, 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 yep. and Obama w- w- was, you know, re- relatively so. playfully right. teasing him <laughs> about, hey, you'll never be president. And, you, and everyone in the room is laughing except him. And what did he do? Right. He dropped everything that night and started his run for president. Now, I'm not making yeah. comments, you know, I'm not getting into political talk here. I'm just saying there's certain bears that you poke and yeah. they don't right. let it go. They do not right. let it go. Like most it, it, guys, I can figure out I know the guys that if I if I kind of heckle them and I'm making jokes and everything I'm saying is just to make everybody laugh. So like if I know the guys that can't take a joke and they get frustrated and they get in their head and it and it works against them. <laughs> Steph, if you heckle Steph, he wants and if he gets truly annoyed with you to shut you up, he will just completely dominate your team and make you go home sad. That's what. That's how he gets his revenge. And so, like, I wasn't going to say a word at the game with Derek. When I tell you that this man was scared, Jesse, I've never seen... He's like, look, it was like, he's like rocking back and forth like this. Oh, my God, he's going to do it. He's about to, he's about to, he's about to cut it on. Watch. Oh, my God. He's like rocking back and forth, bro. Like, it was, it was hilarious. Five <laughs> seconds left in the game. Five seconds left in the game. We're yeah. up by one point. Warriors have the ball on their side of the court call the timeout so they full strength clay thompson draymond green steph curry all of them are out there okay with the ball the best shooters in all, of all time magic are up one who's gonna win you know like of course i've been down this road how many times as a magic fan so i just know i'm just bracing myself for the heartbreak i'm not up standing cheering like everybody else and uh then the, the clay thompson misses at the buzzer and we won and i'm telling you the celebration, the dance that I did, that Derek embarrassingly got on video, or like, no, <laughs> like no, no, I, no. Uh, ESPN got it on video. Oh, <laughs> we that's just, right. That's right. We that's just right. watched ESPN. it that night. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> all, all the swag went out the window. Like all the sauce, you know. Cam has this like cool little like vibe, like this sauce gone. Gone. This man <laughs> turned into a 50-year-old white guy. He's not 50. Oh, he aged himself like 10 years. And he's like, <laughs> he went to the future and turned into a 50-year-old white guy. <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah. Nobody wants to be David Wallace blowing off Michael Scott's phone call. And all of a sudden, he's out there starting Michael Scott Paper Company. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes... Sometimes you just like you, you you don't antagonize people. You don't provoke no, yeah. them or they're going to come for yeah. you. That's the moral yeah. of this. You got to know when yeah. to hold them sometimes, you know? Yeah, no. The, the guys who get flustered, bring it on. The guys like Steph, uh-uh, won't touch them. I'm just going to sit back and observe the game. 
That's it. All right. We have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, uh, Christian Stanfill from Passion joins us. You don't want to miss that. Also, uh, we have your feedback at the end of the show. But stay tuned right now. Emily is ready. She's here. She has a mic in hand. And she'll be joining us for Relevant Buzz. to Beach Weather. The song is Trouble With This Bed. Season 4 of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4. Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. Please welcome to the show, with a tardy pass, our very own downtown Emily Brown to tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. Hey, Emily. Hey, y'all. Sorry I was late. My bad. No, it, it, it happens. As let, let me ask you this, Emily. Growing up, were you the type that uh, would frequent, like in school, I'm not talking about professionally. I feel like we're all pretty, we're, we're, we're solid professionals here. But in school, were you the one who would, who would sneak in a little late? Did you, were, were, did you have some tardy check marks in, that, in, the, in the column? Mm, I never was the one that snuck in late, but I would sneak in like right as the bell was ringing. Like I would wait until the truly last possible second, but okay. not... I would not be considered late. I was just, I was incredibly on time. That's the most stressful though. I kind of like to live life on the edge. You have an an infinite amount of time to be early. And then you have a split second where you're on time. And then you have an infinite amount of time to be late. You pick the one little split second to be there. Also, in my defense, my high school was kind of big. And like the structure of it did not make sense. So we had, I think, maybe five minutes in between classes. And I would be... Oh, like wow. Bopping back and forth. So it was not just me. It was the world working against me. As well. I'll say this. I take it back. Do you know one place I've never been early for in my adult life? And I'm not saying this. What? I'm not saying I'm proud of it. I don't even know what. I've never walked into church when the song, the music's not already playing. I don't even know how these things kick off. All I know <laughs> is when I arrive. They're already singing and I just kind of mosey in and, you know, people don't know, like people are standing and singing and like, you know, coming back from getting coffee. Right. I don't even know how church services kick off. I cannot remember the last time I've been at one before it is actual start time. So I feel you, Emily. I feel you. I I remember I went to church and got there 10 minutes early for some reason and saw the pre-service video for the first time. And that's the same thought that you did. I was like, Oh, this is what they do before the music starts. I didn't know. Was it like a is it like a countdown or something like ten, like nine, NFL red zone eight, on Sunday no, afternoon, not like that? No, no, just like you know, commu- you know, church community videos, maybe some updates, some announcements type oh, thing. You know, okay. just priming right. the pump, getting everybody. They gotta save that. They got to save that. See, that's the that that is not 
my church experience. That is that is okay. As churches with my, money. I'm, so what what was your church before the service? Just everybody sits there, they're waiting. Everybody, just, like, we quietly? literally just crack jokes on one another for like ten minutes straight, talking about <laughs> sister so and so's uh hat. And but this, you know, we as kids though, so maybe you but, know, but, but yeah. it it really was just that. And the next thing you know, you you see the. You see the drummer and the bass player walk in, and that's when you know it's about that time. You know what see, I mean? See, I feel but like yeah. there needs to be a formal. That's too much of a glide in, right? Maybe like, you know, the the drummer's like hitting the cymbals, or you hear uh -huh. like a little tune up or something. We don't need that. I feel like there needs to be a formal start to the service, either like a like big what? goblet, like like you ting on the side of a glass, ding 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 ding, like you're giving a wedding toast. You know, what would be cool a gong, like a nah. big gong, three strikes of a gong, and then the service starts. I just feel like more formal, but if they had something like that, I'd probably show up. But if I'm going to hear them tuning their guitars and stuff, I'll, I'll show up. So I'll wait a second. You say you would be song. early to church if they hit a gong. Oh, oh I wouldn't want to <laughs> miss the formal kickoff is what I'm saying. Like that would be part of the fun. <laughs> like, no, no, this real talk, Cameron, do you, you're never late for a magic game. Why? Because never. the, the official kickoff, they make really special. There's, there's yeah. fireworks. They get everybody pumped yeah. up. It would be just as logical to come in 30 seconds in the game. You're not going to miss anything. If you showed up right when the referee is about to tip the ball off. Right. Yeah. If, yeah. But, but that's my problem is with the church services, it's too much guitar tuning and mic checking and, you yeah. know, do, do, do some guy hitting the snake. You know, you the you're not there. How do you That's know? You're I'm assuming. assuming. That's what I'm assuming. Okay. But I'm assuming what they don't have is a cool kickoff with a gong. Look, so what you want them to do is play the 96 Bulls intro music. From the Theological Seminary of North Carolina. Pastor. <laughs> I feel like that's a righteous gemstone. So they actually do it. At yes, that's definitely righteous gemstones, bro. And you know what? Their church kind of looks fun and awesome. So, that I mean, real talk. Every time I watch, every time I watch it, I'm like, dude, I I could see why they're popular and why people go. Like it looks like it. a very entertaining experience, despite their their criminal. Yeah. All right, Emily, what's going on this week? Okay, I want to start off with um, some Gen Z news. We have good and bad news. I'll kick it off with the bad news so we can end on the good news. Um, the bad news is Gen Z is struggling. Uh, there's a new report that came out that 42% of all Gen Z are struggling with at least one mental health condition. So that's two out of every five Gen Z Zoomers are having are struggling with depression, anxiety, PTSD, just a wide variety of it. And a lot of it started during the pandemic. Um, and kids thankfully are seeking help, but it is just an overwhelming amount that, you know, almost that's almost 50%. Like that's almost half of all Gen Z is struggling. Um, and I've heard it said before, like this generation is struggling the most with mental health, but hearing a number like that, it just really puts it into perspective for me. Like, how many kids are actually struggling with it. Emily, I, I read this article that you wrote and it was interesting to me, like the study showed that, you know, 42%, like you said, have a diagnosed mental health condition. And like you said, it started during the pandemic, but then it also said that they found that 57% take prescription medication for mental health. And I'm going, how do you have prescriptions for mental health if you aren't diagnosed with mental health? That's how is the prescription number almost 60% and the diagnosed 
Forty percent. I didn't. How, get how that. you think pills get out you in know? the street? It's a lot of doctors that prescribe a pill to anybody, or yeah, it's a lot of uh, you could get them in the streets. <laughs> like that's it's. This is a. I don't know what to say here, but I will say that we got to fix. Because my wife is a pharmacist, we got to figure out this pharmacy system. We got we got to figure mm-hmm. out because it's capitalism in this area is not necessarily benefiting society as a whole, right? it's it's mm-hmm. there's a time and place for it for for you know mental health drugs but i mean i know people that got adderall and you like I, there's no way that you should have this at all i, I don't even know how you got it you know what i mean um there's a there's a crisis for real it's been a crisis in the black community but it's now the, the, that's the problem we're only as strong as our I don't want to call black people the weakest link, but the most underserved link. And eventually mm. those problems mm. begin to spill over into the rest of the world. And now, man, it's kids that's hooked on drugs, prescription drugs at like 14, 15 years old, you know, mm. or even or either, you know, their buddy is is using it. And then they're like, man, well, hey, I struggle with that, too, man. I here, take some of my Adderall. You know what I mean? So we got a we got a, a drug crisis yeah, cause, here. Because I guess in this situation, a kid could tell his doctor, you know, I'm having trouble focusing at school, and he'll write a prescription for an ADHD medication, and so that kid could get a prescription. But that's separate from the diagnosed mm-hmm. mental health, you know, yeah. disorders that this <clears throat> study was just. You get so it's easy to get drugs from your doctor, is what you're saying. So easy, man. I know a person that. Even this person is diagnosed, but when you talk to the person, they say, yeah, I just go in and and the prescription is already written out. Like mm. they just pull it off, give it to them. How you doing? Wow. Still struggling? Okay, cool. Here you go. Take it. You know what I mean? And wow. that's scary, y'all. Like, I mean, that, that is mm-hmm. really scary that this guy has prescriptions for Adderall written out and he just gives them away at will and his perspective I'm assuming is just like hey you know, those people want it I might as well make some money off of it uh sad I think everything you said is so true like um you know I feel like even kids you know it's one thing too that you know they're they, maybe they're talking to a friend who struggles with depression and they're like oh well these you know this helped me here try it out you know like I think it's I don't know it's just really interesting the way that, um, like you said, like there's more medication than there is actual diagnosis. And I think that does need to be addressed and that needs to be specified. Cause I, I think that medicine is great, but I also think there is a danger of just giving kids medicine right away. As soon as they say, you know, three symptoms of depression and it's like, maybe you actually should try something else or there's other options than just medicating right away. So medicate them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's sort of the diagnosis and the medical side, but then there's also like, just like, okay, well, what unique social pressures has this generation experienced that Mm -hmm. others haven't that Mm -hmm. they're seeing this, like I said, obviously you can look at, you know, I'm sure there's some sort of correlative thing between just the deeper understanding of, of mental health conditions and, and the likelihood that they're diagnosed. But the other, the other issue is like, this is really the first generation that never didn't know the internet and never mm-hmm. didn't know, you know, even, you know, a lot of mo- most millennials remember, a t- remember when the internet 
came to their house, right? Like, or, or, or have a recollection of not ha- owning an iPhone or not, you know, of MySpace, you know, being a thing and, and the advent of social media. This is really the first generation that has never known life without it. It's the, it's the only generation that has gone through a, a pandemic as adolescents, not adults, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like there's all these other factors that I think are worthy of being looked at in addition to kind of the medical end that what, what are the, like I said, kind of unique social forces and, and, and pressures that this generation has felt that others haven't. And what are ways that we can kind of uh, address those as well? You know, like mm-hmm. treating, For you know, sure. in other words, treating the, you know, the, the kind of the, the source of the illness, not just kind of the symptoms of it, you know, right. 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 Deleting the triggers, the things that are triggering people's mental illness. Right. So Emily, you said there's good news. Yes. So as well, you know, like we've been saying, there's a lot of things that especially Gen Z has been dealing with and that is unique to them. And what is exciting is now, thanks to the new, uh, the most recent election, there's officially a Gen Z in Congress. Um, and he has talked about wanting to address a lot of those issues. Specifically, gun reform is the big one that he was talking about. But um, his name is Maxwell Frost. He's actually from. Where's or- he from? From Orlando, um, which is, I'm sure, exciting for Cam. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting. He's 25 years old. When you look at the state of Florida, it's all red. And then there's a little blue dot right in the middle of the state. That's Orlando. Yeah. And that's Maxwell. <laughs> He's Frost, a Democrat. New representation. So he'll be in the house yeah. of representatives. He's 25. The average age of the house member is 58. Oh, 82. 82. <laughs> that's just the wrong stat, Emily. It's 82. That might be close. Well, again, the average is 58. So, you know, um, so he's definitely going to be facing some, interesting opponents but um you know just from what i've seen um during his campaign he seems excited to take on change and to introduce new ideas and like we said introduce um maybe some policies or reforms that would help things that are specifically affecting gen z so i'm excited to see kind of what he brings and to just really you know he's the first of the next generation so it's interesting to see what he's going to bring. He said, uh, after he won, he's like, I've been campaigning for the last year to celebrate tomorrow night. I'm going to the 1975 concert downtown. So that's dope. He's going to be there tonight. He's a a good candidate. Chuck Grassley was at that show, I think right up front. (laughs) (laughs) Can you believe he just got elected to another six years and he's 89 years old. Like they said this man was alive before the chocolate chip cookie was invented. What? I saw that. Can you imagine insane. life without a chocolate chip cookie? Like he lived that. I don't get it. No, he he lived through that. No. Yeah, ironically, he turned eighty in the year nineteen seventy-five. That's the crazy oh. part. <laughs> but he also likes the band. Did you uh, did you see? I mean, we're not going to talk politics. Whatever. After this, you know, the big red wave that was expected didn't happen, and the, all the conservative pundits were bemoaning the demographic shift in that a lot of young adults, eighteen to thirty, really turned out to the polls and that's why and they they didn't know it in the pre-poll you know kind of surveys because think about how they do survey Mm -hmm. they call a number Mm -hmm. what under 30 what under 40 year old do you know that's going to pick up their phone from an unknown number so not this entire demographic was not polled and so everybody was shocked at the turnout i saw a pundit (laughs) 
tweet. They're so mad. They said, they said, it is factual that the human brain does not fully form until you're 25 years old. We need to raise the voting age no. to 21 as a minimum. No. Because they're saying these, they're voting Democrat and it's because their brains haven't developed yet. That's literally what she said. I was going to say a side note so. to, to this is, man, I'm proud of the Gen Zers because one thing that the pandemic, although it did slow the world down, I see more like intelligent conversation from from Gen Zers. Like they've had a chance to being in a pandemic, seeing all of this crazy stuff, and they really had a chance to slow down and get educated to a degree about politics and, and, and want to take the bull by the horns and be a part way more than I did when I was in, you know, 20 and 20, 21, 20, 23, 24, 25. Like, like, I see the fire in them to say like, this is my country. Like I want to definitely participate. So I think that's, I think if we, if there's anything from the pandemic that we could say was a benefit, I think that that, that that's a, that's a benefit that an unintended consequence is that these young people really tapped into politics because that's all, they, that's all they could watch. It was an election year, you know, that's all they could watch. I mean, I totally, you know, some of the, one of the most, I remember one of the most compelling arguments I heard on any social issue this year was, uh, you know, from a Gen Zer. And, you know, now they were doing a choreographed dance to Taylor Swift's anti-hero while they were <laughs> explaining it. And it was just captions yeah. on the screen. Um, but still, wow. I mean, it, cha it changed my mind. It moved the needle. And now I want to learn some of those moves to, to <laughs> so, but I know, mean, I like for me, I'm like, yeah, end of the day, old people get it wrong too. Like we got to give Gen Z a space to be able to be right and wrong and, and do goofy stuff. But at least they even care. Like I did not care, bro. All I wanted to do is play Xbox and, and write raps. They playing <laughs> Xbox, writing raps, running for Senate. Like <laughs> voting. That is true. Like is I can't even remember at what age I had any awareness of, you know, it, what, what any like political parties, what, you know, any sort of like, you know, political position. Like, I honestly don't think it was till not even in co like late in college that, right. that I may have even cared right. at all or, or even was aware of all at all. I mean, these kids today seem to have, you know, be political advocates at like 13 years old. It's, it's pretty impressive. Well, their brains aren't formed. Yeah. And we need to raise the age. That, that'll solve it. That's hilarious. There's a lot more where that came from. Go check relevantmagazine.com for the latest. We're covering the intersection of faith, life, culture. Hey, check us on IG too. We're posting a lot more there now. Um, thanks, Emily. All right, stay tuned. Up next, Christian Stanfield joins us. Listening to Maris, the song is Was It a Dream? Was it? Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get 
This podcast, ad-free, you get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives, our beautifully designed digital issue, and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Well, today's guest is Christian Stanfill. He's a worship leader with Passion, who has also just released a brand new album, Make It Out Alive. He sat down with our very own downtown Emily Brown to discuss how he was able to find freedom in a difficult season and how vulnerability is the key to change. Here's our conversation with Christian Stanfill. to talk to you about your new album that's about to come out how do you feel about that um i feel really peaceful this week you know it's it's definitely um a pretty vulnerable project there's a lot of honesty in the songwriting um and you know really trying to let people in to you know our journey over the last couple of years i feel like everyone's had their own version of uh you know the last couple of years has just been such a wild card for everybody, you know, and it affected everybody in different ways. So this is just our way of letting people in to our, our story. And hopefully, you know, our vulnerability could help somebody else be honest and maybe help them heal too. So yeah, I'm really excited for people to hear it. Excited for it to come out. Is the love that you have from the ones that know the truth and choose to stay? like vulnerability leading to healing did that happen in your life where you were like vulnerable and then you're able to seek healing in some way yes yeah so you know a lot of these songs um came from you know a process of um needing to be open and honest about my life and um what was going on in my life opening up to friends and pastors and even counselors and that's something that i was for a long time, I was terrified to do, to open my life up to other people. I think I believe, I think a lot of us believe that when and if we open up ourselves to other people and really say, hey, here's what's really going on in my life, we believe that we're just going to, we're, we're going to get shame and judgment if we do that. But the reality is, or at least what I've found, and, and I think a lot of people find this, is when we open up to people we trust, what we actually get is love and grace. And that's definitely what I found um, in, in my life. And so these songs have come from that experience of, of really opening the door, pulling the curtain back and go, Hey, here's what I'm, here's what I've been struggling with. I need to tell you about it because I want to get healthy. And in doing that, there was so much freedom and so much hope that came flooding into my life, but also my family's life, my community's life. Um, it's incredible when you, when you open up your life to somebody else, it allows them the freedom to do the same thing with you. And so my honesty and healing became somebody else's honesty and healing, which is a really beautiful way that the, that the kingdom of God works, really beautiful way that the church works. So that's not you at my lowest. Making sure I remember every single failure, all the times I missed the mark. That's are there any songs that you maybe are a little nervous about people hearing because of how honest you are in them? The, the first one that comes to mind, uh, there's a song, it's the very last song on the record called Change You. 
And I sing about some very specific times in my life, moments in, in my life that I look back on and I realize that um, really affected me and changed me. Um, I sing about uh, having a conversation with my granddad. Um, I sing about meeting my wife and falling in love with my wife. I sing about holding my son for the first time. You know, all these moments that you look back on, you go, man, that, that changed me. But then at the very end of the song, um, the very last verse of, of the song says that uh, I was sitting down in a hole that I dug out for myself. After years of bad decisions, I was in the pit of hell. But looking up from the bottom, I heard my friends and Jesus say, we're not going to let you stay the same. And I knew I'd never be the same. And so, you know, the first part of the song is all like, oh, he's talking with his granddad and he's falling in love with his wife and he's holding his son. And then you get to the end of the song and I'm singing about the, you know, the, the bottom dropping out. And uh, that was mostly self-inflicted, you know, and sitting down in a, in a hole that I had dug for myself. But what I realized, I wasn't there alone. I was surrounded by the grace of God, the people that love me the most. And they said, we love you too much to let you stay this way. So I think that's probably one of the most honest uh, lyrics on the project. After years of bad decisions, I was in the pit of hell. But looking up from the bottom, I heard my friends and Jesus say, We're not gonna let you stay the same. It's very clear that, you know, this was a whole journey for you. So, what was the first step for you in this journey? And how did you start this? And how can someone else start this journey? Um, for me, it was uh, life kind of forced my hand. So uh, I I hit a breaking point, you know, at the end of 2020. And my wife knew it. My friends knew it. And they loved me enough to sit me down and say, hey, you need to get help. And we want to help you do that. So that was sort of like kind of life forcing your hand. Um, but I think I had so many opportunities before that point to reach out. I just didn't have the courage to do that. So I think my encouragement would be to somebody who knows there's no joy in my life. The lights are not on. I'm not happy. I want to change. I would say the first step is to, like we were saying before, find somebody that you trust that you can reach out to and go, Hey, I need to talk to you. I need to be honest with somebody. You're someone that I trust. I need you to know what's happening in my life right now. Um, that would be the first step, the first step that I would take. That was Christian Stanfield. Make sure to check out his new album, Make It Out Alive. It's available now. All right, stay tuned up next. It's your feedback. Listening to Salt with a U. 
The song is Lion. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, you know, we got talking about the Musk, the takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk. And, uh, you know, he's making a lot of changes. He's throwing some noodles on the wall. He he threw out the uh, little official tags, and uh, two hours later they were gone. I mean, like they're just they're just spitballing, and um and, and got Jesse, you know, saying, "Hey, I just I'm morbidly wanting to watch this experiment of a guy leading a 44 billion dollar organization with no game plan. You know, he's just gonna wing it and just see what happens." And so we asked you for the question of the week: What do you want to see happen on Twitter? What changes do you want to see the Musk? man make you hit us up on twitter at relevant podcast before we got banned no we didn't um and here's a few of our favorites so wendy says the same thing we've only ever wanted a stinking edit feature and wendy i'm going to tell you i am a twitter blue subscriber and i have an edit feature so get, yeah, get yeah. your blue it's check so, but the thing is you can't hate elon and not want to spend the money on twitter blue and get the edit feature you got to pay for it that's the that's the thing so well and, and two before the eight dollar one there was a 495 at twitter blue that's been up for a while that had the yeah edit that's feature. the one i use the, four ni- the 499 just, one yeah I, i've been on twitter what, blue. If, what happens yeah. if, there, if i retweet something and then somebody changes it to it say something just out insane it says edit it under the bottom yeah, i don't think i want to edit feature. it but still, like, it, say what you it, say. Like could, if you mess up, yeah, it could be rewritten. It could be a totally different tweet. Is there a way to see what the previous tweet was? Let me go look at one of my old edited tweets because me, I am a person who rush tweets and I never spell things correctly. Like, if you just looked at my Twitter, you probably think that I didn't go to high school or college at all. So, this is a necessity for me because I don't want to look stupid. See, my pinned tweet on my Twitter profile says. If you see typos, like, no, you didn't. Like, I just, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> cause I know, cause I do the same thing on my personal Twitter, not the professional one. Don't worry, Cameron. Um, on my personal one where I just tweet and then I think about it later. And there's, there's a ton of typos and I just don't care. Twitter to me is like not a real world. So I don't care if it's perfect. This is someone who's been professionally in the editorial business for many years. We are about a generation away from no one caring about typos. They have become such a part of our life and text messages and 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 Twitter and, and social media that y- y- your mind just filters them out at this point. Like I, I, I have I have I have a theory that copy editors uh, are going to be a thing of the past within a generation just because we've come so accustomed to sloppy copy. Anyway, Greg said, I would like to take out the infinite scroll. Let's bring back clicking on next page so we can have a better grasp of the time we spend. Listen to this. He brings some scripture into it. He brings some heat right here. The Bible says, God, quote, set infinity in the human heart. And he gives a reference to Ecclesiastes 3.11, if you're interested. But I don't think he meant that for scrolling. Mm. Well, there's no way to know, Greg. But I did watch an interesting documentary the other night on Netflix about infinity. I don't know if you guys have seen this floating around. Uh, If you're looking for just like a mind expanding, it's like they talk to all these mathematicians and physicists about the concept of infinity and, and how it breaks down in numbers fascinating like these cool illustrations about the limits of like mathematical limits of infinity like how far you can deconstruct and reconstruct it infinities within infinities that and that sounds like an insane concept but then they explain it in these illustrations basically camera i see your look like okay so like if you were to break down the numbers between uh you know one and ten 
you could keep halving those numbers forever and ever. Like you could fraction them out forever and ever right. until you hit a number like pi, right. which 3.14, and it goes on till infinity. So then you have a number within mm-hmm. our numbers that has infinite numbers in them. They've discovered seven infinite numbers, and we don't know why they're in our numerical system. Like it doesn't break out clean. There has to be infinities in infinities for this whole thing to work. Anyway, they're telling you all this. Wait, there's seven pies? There's seven, there's seven numbers pies? that go on I mean, to infinity. And the. Seven, seven's a kind of a God yeah. number. Well, That's but, but, but our numerical system breaks down if there aren't infinite numbers within the infinite numbers, right? Like, so anyway, they explain all this and your mind's getting explained and blown, but there's this one guy. And I feel like at the beginning of the documentary, they, they show all these clips of them, like, and then we discovered that there's actually infinity inside the infinity. And they're giving all these like mind blowing clips to tease out the documentary. And this one poor guy, this one physicist, they added the worst soundbite ever. He's like, well, you know, if I were to start counting now till the day I died, I would not hit infinity. And then it goes to like the next clip and you're like, well, obviously, bro, why'd you, why'd they pick that clip? Why are the producers of this documentary making you look like that when everyone else has these big mind expanding things? It's like, yeah, if I were to count for, for 40 years, I would only get to 40 years worth of numbers. Like, duh. anyway, I felt bad for the guy. That was my main takeaway is why do, why just set the guy up like that? You know, just give him like a cool pull quote. I like Brendan Spencer's. He says, if we're losing content moderation and verification, or actual verification, then I think we need to pull a YouTube and add a dislike button. Mm. Moderation via democratic process of sorts. Plus, what makes chaos more fun, but more chaos, is what he said. But I like, I actually, I like I that. Too. A dislike feature, which would kind of like tell the algorithm that this is hate speech or something, and then like it like diminishes its algorithm reach. I think that's brilliant. So I saw that Elon said, he said, if you don't got the, the Twitter uh, verification, it's going to be like posting into a spam folder. So this is the algorithm is pretty much going to hate you if you're on the free version. And then he also said that uh, there's going to be a verification of the verified, right? So now we're verified. Like if you're an official person, he said that there may be a thing that they're going to add. And then he also said that you might be able to. It- no, they did. And they took it away. Well, yeah. They okay. They literally like literally when we're recording it was yesterday morning like all these celebrities and brands had a second line underneath it with another check mark it said like official or media outlet news or whatever like it it verified and then literally two hours later it was gone because a guy complained a, a verified guy complained he's like there's no rhyme or reason to this like why is this person who has less reach than me verified or have the second verification and i don't and i'm valid verified and then elon responded to it and said i just killed it and he literally killed it two hours well, that's how he does it. it with the teslas so. right like it's like there's a feature that everybody mm-hmm. likes and if he's like i don't really like this feature anymore he just deletes it and then it's just like all right uh-huh. he just changes the software at will or hey we want the old software back and it's so this is how Twitter is going to be ran, guys. <laughs> Yay. Uh-huh. It's like this, just, you know, the line between tech genius and just, you know, uh, lunatic. It's like Steve Jobs, you know, like, <laughs> take the buttons away. What? No buttons. Well, so how's he going to do stuff? No buttons. You guys figure it. It's like, you know, same thing with Elon. <laughs> he just throwing it out there. It's like, all right, I guess we got to figure this out. You know, uh, you know, we'll see. All right. Well, there's more where that came from. Go check it out. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right, well, next week uh, is Thanksgiving. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna go down the route of like 
the stress of being with your, you know, extended relatives that you argue with over dumb stuff. We're not doing that. We're talking about the meal. Okay. We're bored. Not, not with only Thanksgiving. That, you, you food. We, we eat turkey obligatory. It, it's it's an obligation on Thanksgiving. Yeah. You, you don't see if, if people like turkey, we'd be roasting them all the time. No, we wait till once a year, and everyone just powers right. through. It's a dry, right. almost flavorless meat. If we're just talking, and there's all these. Hold on, hold on, now, now I am, I am a. I'm a connoisseur of a good turkey sandwich. Now, I, you know, I'm not even going to you. Deli, now. look, deli mold. It's. I'm not talking about sandwiches. Sandwiches okay. you can punch up with mustards and things. I'm talking Thanksgiving. They slice it right off the bird, put it on the plate, and you enjoy this dry, flavorless meat. This isn't. This isn't. You know, a one that we would eat it all the time if it was good. But that goes for the sides too. Everyone that's saying they're they love Thanksgiving sides, you don't. Why aren't you cooking stuffing once a week? Why aren't you making weird soupy potato inventions? <laughs> just oh, why aren't they part of normal rotation? It's because we've been conditioned to like just let's face it, some pretty gross things on Thanksgiving just because it's Thanksgiving. So the question of the week is, what foods should we normalize to evolve Thanksgiving for the next generation? That's kind of what we want to do. Let's put our own stamp on Thanksgiving. We don't need to inherit our grandparents' spread. Let's do our own and make it way more culinarily interesting. So what foods would you, should we be added? Man, I, Jesse, I just feel bad for you that... I feel bad, Jesse, that your people can't cook, bro, because <laughs> Thanksgiving lit at my crib, bro. I, we, look, I look forward to it every year. How many times do you go out to a nice dinner and be like, you know, I'll have the I'll have a plate of turkey, please. You don't because restaurants don't serve because people don't want it. They serve steak and chicken and fish and meats people want. Turkey is telling you, man, it's an obligation. You've been fajitas, cheeseburgers, pizza. That's what people want. Yeah. Derek, Man, I'm telling you. The mac and cheese, the yams, the collard greens with the cornbread, bro, the, the dressing. You know fine. what I'm saying? Listen, bro, I'm just saying, look, just because your spread trash. A lot of soupy You stuff. just need to, look, bro, Jesse, just come to come to Nashville. We don't have no soupy nothing in Nashville, bro. Everything we have is is. is I don't is like how fine. on Thanksgiving plates, everything's running all into each other. I don't like that, okay? I think, thank <laughs> Get the kitty plate. They should. Thank, I've had this idea. I hate my food touching. Thank you. I've had this idea that on thanks they have special plates just for Thanksgiving that partition out the sides because you know those last couple bites you're dragging that piece of you know turkey through some sweet potato some gravy and you're just like oh, oh, oh no that's the, that's the, look the, the look the the ultimate combination is the yams with the mac and cheese. I've, I intentionally mixed them together, Ooh, dude. For that, do you really? Yes. Okay, so you're you're a food mixer. The you're yams a side mixer. and the mac and cheese go together. They 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 Derek, they do go you, together. Do you like take a bite of one side, a bite of another side, a bite of another side, or do you? Well, the way I eat is I eat the entire side, finish it, move oh, on to the no. next. Item, oh no, we it. mix all the so you're flavors, a mixer, all the flavors. Yeah, I, I do, that. do that. I do that I with do all that. my food. Yeah, all the flavors. In all this, the flavors. You got to mix the flavors. Thanksgiving partition, uh, partition plate that I'm now going to invent. <laughs> I will make little channels that can be opened up between sides <laughs> that you can run the juices through. Okay? 
Like, like, like a little so you can little like, mini dams. Is what you said. Exactly. Like plate, yeah, removable. Plate dams. Yeah, a little, <laughs> yeah, a little lock, a lock system. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can just, channel. I want to mix these two, but not those two. Exactly. Yeah, I got and you. Partition off like the turkeys and things. Bro, you, know? you take you take the look, man. You take the the, the collard greens, and then you take the um. The cornbread and then you mix it in there, let it get a little soggy, let the cornbread get a little soggy. Man, shoot, what y'all talking Again, about? You'll bro? have a partition for that. But for people who who don't want all the juices just intermingling, you know, chaotically on the plate, then we will partition off. Juice but they me, are baby. removable. Juice I, me. Okay, the one the one that messes it up for me is do y'all have ambrosia salad? Uh, y'all's what? houses. Ambrosia is a fruit salad with melted marshmallows oh, on top, oh, no. and it is no, served no. not as a dessert, but it is served with the other side. That's- and so, like to me, you're getting some green beans, you're getting some mashed potatoes, and you put a little scoop of ambrosia salad. But that that fruit juice, that sweet juice, goes and ruins the entire plate. So I'm all in for your plate, Jesse. I, re- I regret, I regret to system. inform you that we don't eat ambrosia salad on, on my side of the, the, the train tracks. <laughs> you, I know what you're talking about, though. You're talking about the, the it's like red and they put yeah, like little like, pineapples in it, right? Uh-huh. And the little pineapples in it and uh-huh. then it's like... And they don't treat it like a dessert. They yeah, treat it like it's a normal side and then, for your and plate. Then, and I it's bet weird. you at the houses that y'all go to, they put probably, you know what I'm saying, marshmallows on top of the sweet potatoes with some walnuts or something in there. Not me. Not mine. Okay, good. All right. Well, okay, cool. I grew up Southern. I mean, no, that's a Southern thing, southern, though. Southern, that's so a like, Southern thing. That Southern cooking and soul food is different. I've had it, yeah. but my family doesn't do it. No, that's true. Yeah. No, I know. But my grandma, we called her Big Mama. I mean, that's the Y'all Southern Southern. Big right? Mama. And so she okay. had like <laughs> Big Mama and Big Daddy. Big mom okay. and big daddy. And, and, and they had eight kids. And there was always like 40 people at the table. And it was just like a huge family, right? And she cooked like for the whole church every Sunday, basically. And so everything was huge quantities, but they never had money. So she never did the extra stuff like marshmallows mm. and junk like that, you know, because like... Y'all came know, from the just, trenches. That's what's up. Now, listen, I will say this, though. I'm not hating on the Ambrosia salad because I remember going to, you know, some of my white friends' crib as, you know, as a young man or just like little banquets or whatever, and they have it. And I remember my first time tasting, I was like, yo, this is lit. But I did not know that it was to be it's eating at, eaten as a side. I thought it was like a dessert thing, like yeah. a like a pudding or something like that. You know, like a dessert thing. I didn't know that it was I like. Know. It should yeah. be. At least my family, if somebody brings it, it's right in the middle of the mix with all the other sides, buffet style. You know, you're just filling your plate. So it's like right there. It's not like. Well, once again, with my yeah. canal system. You can you can be inventing <laughs> new side combos throughout the dinner. It's pretty exciting. It's look, pretty, there's pretty long as you yeah. don't have green bean casserole, bro. Look, that's the only to me. That's the biggest L of all Thanksgiving, bro. This is a polite way, Derek, because of the you know because of the partition. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'll have. You're not gonna you're not gonna offend the aunt who brought that. Yeah, put the green oh. bean casserole right here. And then I'll actually, this is a new idea, that'll actually, I'll have one partition that you specifically target for the foods you don't want but are going to get on the plate for politeness reasons, the little trap door. And it will dump out a fault. It mm. will have a hidden compartment that you can clean out after the dinner for the sides you don't want. 
the plate the plate is two inches mm-hmm. thick, but it's a hollow two yeah, inches, yeah, yeah. so you can shovel it under. This that, is in your answer. Hey, look, at my idea. crib, if you bring an L, it's gonna be right on the uh, on the cabinet with no with no fork, <laughs> nothing in it. It's just gonna be there, and everybody gonna know like, oh, that's an L. You know what I'm saying? You like, could just lower it down. It, it would be like L. a storm drain. It would be like a storm drain. You just kind of push it down there. <laughs> Listen, and a new partition is opened up as well. Thanksgiving so. and Christmas time at, at at my crib. I don't know about everybody else's crib, but at my crib, it's like the Super Bowl for for the aunties and and the grannies. Like it's the that's, Super Bowl. That's why I'm trying not to get feelings hurt here. It's the Super is, Bowl. This is the, nah, the look, train. listen though. If you play in the Super Bowl and you don't win the trophy, you just don't win the trophy. That's just what it is. Like, ain't nobody finna go over there. It's, it's what it is. You're on a championship team and you're not as good. You get cut. You get, it's the L. You do not You get, got yeah, put I'm, out the tournament. So if the, uh, the Ambrosia salad <laughs> or whatever is over on there and ain't nobody put no nothing in it, <laughs> if, you know, hey, sorry, Marsha Ambrosia, you should have left it at the crib. <laughs> like, you, you know, not to bring this the time. You don't experiment you don't Nothing You gotta mistake. put your A game Best That's foot right. forward Like when they walk in the house It's <laughs> And look Aunties <laughs> is walking in With their little place With aluminum foil Over the top of it And look It's it's this mug Like the Hunger Games Bro for real Like hey so no participate, no participation trophies at that. At that no, you know, no. Okay. Look, know. you already know. You know your trophy is if you go home with an empty dish. If you go home with a full dish, mm-hmm. you took an L. You took, it ain't even nothing else to be right. said. We, you know, we don't want to get a whooping, so we ain't gonna tell you. You know what I'm saying? That it's trash, but. It's always somebody that's gonna be experimenting and see what it tastes like, and then they gonna tell everybody else like. Stay away from stay away from Aunt Jan's uh you know what I'm saying dressing it's runny. Like, okay. So so I have a question. So Derek, so a lot of people bring stuff. Does anybody in your family like try to mix it up? Like this question of the week, like we want to do a fish this year. Man, my mama tried to do that one time, dog. One time. And you wanna know what happened? You wanna know what happened? That was lu- that was lunch. We wound up the next day. Look, we wound up the next day doing a whole Thanksgiving feast because then nobody want the, she wanted to do like some salmon and some veggies and stuff. We was like, look, and everybody ate it, but even she was like, this a L, ain't it? Yeah, this a L, mama. And then we just, she got the whipping and, and the next day, we had Thanksgiving the next day because, you know. I'm just saying, here's the thing. If you That's showed funny. up at Thanksgiving, okay, any anyone uh-huh. on this call, you show up Thanksgiving, they're like, hey, turkey's, not great. No one likes it. So we did a giant plate of ribs, and everyone get as many ribs as you want. Nobody's complaining at that household. Okay. Oh, Just oh we got ribs it. at our Thanksgiving anyway, though. You got you got ribs at Thanksgiving. That's pretty. Yeah. Cool. Bro, we dog. I'm out. I'm on the grill, dog. I'm on the grill. They got turkey. We got man. It's it's a feast, bro. Like it's we doing everything, anything that we can afford. That's good. That's what it. My family did steaks a couple yeah. years ago. That was nice. And Just not to have to have turkey. It was fantastic. Hit. I'm the one who cooked them. It was hit. great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. All right. Well, hit us up on Twitter at Relton Podcast. Tell us what dishes you would like to evolve the Thanksgiving meal with. 
Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Christian Stanfield for joining us today. His new album is called Make It Out Alive. It's out now. Go check it out. Also, head over to relevantmagazine.com to check out our fall issue. It has amazing conversations with MIA, Dayglo, Regina Hall, N.T. Wright, and much more. Check it out. You can just click on the magazine tab over at relevantmagazine.com. If you're a Relevant Plus subscriber, the the link to the new issue is in your account dashboard. All right. Oh, and by the way, if you like the show, if you're listening still at this point, tell people about it. Post it on social. Uh, rate it and review it wherever you listen. We love the feedback. We love seeing the interaction. And it helps the algorithm, helps more people discover it. We appreciate it. All right. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you next time. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. dry, almost flavorless meat. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.